Amen. So we've been in 2 Timothy. This is number eight. Um, next week will be the final one. We are going to finish up in 2 Timothy next week um, in nine sessions, nine sessions. So uh, part nine. So this is part eight. And um, we are beginning uh, 2 Timothy in chapter chapter four. And um, uh, it's been interesting. I don't know that I've ever, I've taught this way maybe once or twice before where you just go verse by verse. Um, I don't know. It may just have to become a thing because I've actually really enjoyed um, diving into the scripture and going verse by verse and honestly letting the scripture just speak for itself. Amen. Let, just letting the word speak for itself. And so... Um, I've uh, really enjoyed doing this and enjoyed teaching the background. And how many of y'all now understand why it's important that we understand context? We understand why the, why the why the book was written, why this letter was written to Timothy, where it was written, and what um, place. And uh, we did maps and everything, and uh, and and why it was written, and and to what group of people it was written, and knowing the cultural background. Um, the more we understand that, the more we can actually it'll help us to um, rightly divide the word of truth. And uh, we talked about the reasons why we're doing this, this series is um, where this letter, if you're first time here, we want to welcome you. But if, if, if you're new to this, it's the this letter was written to Timothy, who's leading a church in Ephesus. And if you know anything about Ephesus, early culture, a lot of uh, idol worship, a lot of um, sexual morality, all the, all the things that you would you would think about of an ungodly culture, and what does that simply mean? Not just ungodly that you know they, 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 you know they just they cussed and all that. No, they they were just ungodly. They served other gods, amen. And so, um, and so that comes out in a cultural um, society and what people do in the culture. And so, as our culture in this in our country leans more towards ungodliness, and we see. Um, we, we've talked about this a few weeks back, but as our, as our country moves further away from godliness and embraces some, un, not some, <laughs> depends where you go, but um, embraces ungodliness, how do we as the church respond? And I think 2 Timothy is a great way and a great reminder of how Paul instructs Timothy to instruct the church during this time. And so it's really vitally important that we understand this because um, not only do we, we, we get what Paul told Timothy for Ephesus, we get to glean of what we need to be doing in, um, in our culture and how do we live as godly people in a culture that's turning away from God. Does that make sense? And so it's very important that we understand the times that we live in, but it's also under, it's even more important that we understand how then should we live in these times. Um, because there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of people's opinions that are floating around about how we should how we should deal with um, uh, uh, I'm trying not to go t- how do we respond right all right I'm just gonna quit right there because I'll just go into an, another place but you understand what I'm saying right we have a job to do and Second Timothy is very clear actually is very clear on how we should live how we should live in this culture with a lot of and I'll go ahead and say I was going to not say, but I will say it. When, it when, he, when Paul tells Timothy, all these things are happening, but you. He zeroes it back to, but you do this. Don't let the culture and the way things the culture does influence who you are. Rather, you be the people that God's called you to be and influence the culture that way. Amen? 
And so we see that so clearly in these, in these letters. And so let's, um, let's go into uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to bring my glasses because I'm actually going to read from the, the book. I want us to remember, um, and another reason why we wanted to do this series is remember um, that we need to be people of the word. We need to be people that um, we understand the scriptures and we dive into these scriptures ourselves. And, um, and I'll say it again and again and again and again. The biblical literacy in our nation is poor. 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 Amen? Because, and, and it has made us, yeah, well, it's made us opposite of smartphones. But, um, but as we dive into these, the scripture, as you do it, like here, the, one of the biggest lies is I can't understand the Bible. Well, I would challenge you, just read, read 2 Timothy. It's really plain. It really says what it means, and it means what it says. Amen? And so anyway, so I have a lot to say about that, but, we'll, but that's why we're going to read from it. And I like, well, I try to read from, when I don't read from my book, this is telling on me, my wife's here in the front row, but when I don't read from my book, I get distracted. When I try to read from my phone or mobile device, I get distracted. And so really the truth is we probably need just to get back to the book so we don't get distracted because very, anyway, I'm not going to excuse it. Anyway, it is what it is. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We do have giveaway Bibles to to let you have. So um, thank you for that, Jessica. Good call. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start there. It says this, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead because of his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. For a time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they will have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, there's that phrase again. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship to do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And here Paul gets really personal. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but all those who have loved his appearing. Amen. You're going to get all that in one message? Yep. In the the mid-1800s, there was a group of um, Chinese um, labor workers that were working on railroads. 
And in, those, in that time, as they would work on the railroads, they would have all kind of body aches and back aches and all kind of aches. Some of us can be, know about those things. And um, what they did is there was a water snake in China that the oil extracted from that water snake would actually give some relief to the, um, to the workers, right? Um, I don't know how they apply it. I don't know if they drank it. I don't know how they would do it. But um, Americans picked up on those things, and they started getting rattlesnake oil, and they started taking that oil from the rattlesnakes, and they uh, tried to do the same thing. And when it didn't work, they just added a little bit of alcohol and morphine to it, and that seemed to relieve some of the pain. (laughs) How about that? And thus the name snake oil. That's where the term snake oil came from. And so people all over would start peddling these toxins. Oh, not toxins. They were toxins. They were toxins. They would peddle these get well, you know, quick elixirs. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Who said that? Yep, yep, elixirs. Elixirs. They would put together these elixirs and they would promise these cures for everything, right? And they would promise the world, like uh, all kind, like they would advertise actually for skull fractures. They would say, just take some of this rattlesnake oil and you'll be fine. Like, and all the nurses in our room just went, oh. So, so this idea of people traveling all over, selling their elixirs and selling their stuff to give really quick cures. They'll, they give um, promises of all things. That developed into um, all kind of financial schemes and all kind of other things. And now we have all these weight loss pills and we have all these other things that you, you don't have to exercise at all. Just take these pills and you'll somehow get healthy and look like this person that we're going to show you, right? It's called snake oil. Everybody say snake oil. How many of you know that that snake oil mentality can weave itself into churches and the gospel? The snake oil, the big promises of of everything. And I thought about as Paul is talking about some of these preachers, he gives us a charge. And at the beginning of this charge, he says, for this reason, Jesus is coming and he is the judge. He is the one. He's going, to bring, he's going to bring a judgment. And he is, the scripture says that he will, um, do I have that scripture? Um, I don't. But it says that Jesus will come and he'll actually, he says he'll do this. He'll separate the sheep from the goats. There's a popular uh, teacher out right now that's saying these, some of these things, and I won't mention them by name, but some of you may recognize this. He says, well, well, Jesus never drew lines. He only drew circles around people to allow everybody in. That's a partial truth. Jesus did say, all come to me. All. Everyone who comes to me. Right? Anyone who comes to me. I won't, I won't push away. I will draw those circles around and come to me. All you are weary, and I will give you rest. He also said, I'm coming to judge. And he does draw lines. 
Jesus does draw lines. You can't just come to Jesus and do your life the one whatever way you want to do. That's not, that's not the deal. There are lines that Jesus, Jesus is the judge. And there is righteousness and unrighteousness. And there's only one judge that's going to be able to do that, and that's Jesus. But make no mistake, he's coming to judge. We're going to dive into that a little bit more towards the end. But he says, because Jesus is coming, church, preach the word. Preach the word. And he says, be ready in in season and out of season. What does that mean? <laughs> it means when you're tired or when you're, you've had a good night's sleep, when you feel spiritually alive, when you feel spiritually dead. He says, be ready with the hope, leather places it says, with the hope that is within you. Be able to give an account of what's within you. When you're having that bad day at work and there's that all, I don't know about you, but there are so many times when I worked, um, uh, worked in those dealerships and then on that truck. Man, there were so many times I was having the bad day, and it was always those weird bad days where I wasn't feeling real right that somebody would come to me and they would know that I was Christian and go, hey, man, can I talk to you about some stuff? Uh, yes, 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 amen, yes, yes, right? Be ready in season and out of season because you never know when that opportunity is just gonna f- fall into your lap of an opportunity. And he says this, he says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Some of you are like, I know where I feel the most comfortable in those three things, right? Rebuke, I'm all about some rebuke. Let me tell you, let me tell you. Let me, let me tell you what's right, what's wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong, right? Right? Let me correct your thinking. Let me, let me correct your thinking. How, how, I'm not, I was going to ask for a hand raise, but you know in your own heart. Like the correct one, this, this, this is me. This is, uh, this is me because right doctrine is, if you know like some of, the, some of our staff people, you, you know me, right doctrine is very important to me. To, the truth of God's word is very important to me. So if I hear falseness, I, like, it's like radars going off in my and I want to quickly, that's just me. And let me just say, that's not always done correctly. Right? And encourage. Some of you are the big encouragers. Man, you are just the encourager of encouragers. But it's interesting. It's interesting that he gives us this idea of how we're supposed to do these things. And I want to... I want to dive into this with a little bit in verse 2. If you could put verse 2 back up for me. It says, preach, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Correct? Yes. Rebuke? Yes. Encourage? Most days. With, watch this, Ugh. great patience and teaching. Great Patience and teaching. This idea that, um, and so many of us, we have, we've, not you, it's other churches, not you guys, right? Not you guys. We want to be quick to rebuke people. We want to be quick to tell people why they're wrong. We want to be quick, and God says, don't be quick about any of it. 
He says, be patient with people. Patient with people. Your patience, actually, your patience with the people who disagree with you. People who have that false, like, we need to under, we need to remember, like, in, in the age of a quick post, a quick just, a quick meme, all these quick little things that we can flash up on, on different places, we need to be careful to remember that most of the time we're not changing anybody's mind. You, you don't blast somebody, or, or even while you're in person with people. You don't blast somebody and go, you know what, that guy, I know, that, that David guy came up to me, and he just told me I was wrong. And then all of a sudden, it just all dawned on me, and I just realized how wrong I was. <laughs> I didn't argue with them back. I didn't say anything back, because all of a sudden, they blasted me so well that I just, in humility, dropped to my knees. And said, you know what? You're right. Those things don't happen. They don't happen. They don't, I mean, maybe there's a, and you say it never happened, and somebody's going to tell me why it happened at one point and one time and back in 1983, and it was this time where, you know, well, whatever. Most of the time, it doesn't happen, especially modern day. We are defenses up, and let me tell you why I'm right, right, right? Right? It's a click. That's a tick I do. Right? Because, listen, patience is the key. We need to be patient. That, that is, I don't know about you, aren't you glad God played the long game with you? Aren't you glad that God waited? He, he says, man, aren't you glad that God doesn't, when you come to Jesus, Aren't you glad that he doesn't just expose all of your unholiness all at once? For, for me, it was, you know, when I came to Christ, it was, I, w- I drank a lot. And for me, it was, David, stop drinking. Right? That was the thing God dealt with me when I became, when I got, um, when, I, when I gave my heart to Christ, gave my life to Christ. David, you don't. I was doing all kind of other things that I would find out later were ungodly. But aren't you glad that God just doesn't open the whole book and just hammer you and throw all of the stuff that you've ever done, done wrong and are doing wrong in this moment at you at the same time? God is completely patient, and he is all about, watch this, the process of you growing into the person that God's called you to be. Aren't you glad that God has patience with you? So God says, and you, as you rebuke, he says, do it. Amen. Don't shy back from the truth. Don't hold back from the truth. Don't, don't, don't be intimidated by other people. Amen. Be strong in who you are. Be strong in the truth. But also realize that it's going to take a minute for people, to somebody, to come to that that place of realizing maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm, I'm not all, maybe I don't have all the answers. I don't know about you, but it takes me a long time to realize that. And so he says, hey, with patience. And I, and I think about this on, on top of that. I don't want to add, there's other places where I could go in Scripture but also like your, how you, your character in these things. There's a scripture I often use for this, and it says your gift will make room for you. 
Your gift will make room for you. And it's back in the, it comes from a time of the kings where if you were going to approach the king of that era, you were going to have to bring a gift. Every person who walked and wanted to have an audience with the king brought a gift. And so that gift that you brought makes room for you to speak. And so just like that, I remember the Lord dealt with me about that scripture. He says, your gift of of being a godly, a Christian, a righteous person, that's why it's important how you act on your job, how you treat your fellow employees, how you treat your boss, how if you're a boss, you treat the people who work for you the people around you, that you maintain your Christian witness, right? Is because that gift of kindness, that gift of you carrying your weight at work, that gift of your your love and your interest in in other people's lives will actually make room for you to speak really important eternal things, right? And so we we as, as Christians, we are called because... Like this is, this is, it takes patience. It's going to take patience on our part as we deal with people, right? Who don't, who don't, um, teaching people. I like that. I like that term, teaching people. Um, I love great teaching. Don't just throw the truth at me. Don't just throw facts at me. Teach me, show me. He says, and because, listen, be, and you need to do this, Why? You need to have this platform with people. Why? For a time will come where people will not tolerate sound doctrine. And so your anger and your blah, 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 blasting is not going to help. Their time will come. They will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they'll have an itch to hear what they want to hear, right? So again, we've said this seems to be an issue in Ephesus because he talks about false doctrine all throughout this letter. If if you've been here, I'm like, am I going to teach on this again? Yeah, because it's, you know why? It's also happening in our culture. People are not tolerating sound doctrine. Actually, this, um, this, uh, this idea, it's interesting that uh, if you read the wording, put that scripture up again. Um, it is, yeah, verse 3. For people will not tolerate, they will not put up with, right? Sound doctrine. That means their immediately eyes will want to turn away from sound doctrine and turn to something else. But watch this but according to their own desires, their own desires, what they want. Those, those, I wish the Bible didn't say this. Amen? I I wish the Bible didn't say that. I, I wish the Bible didn't say that I had to forgive everybody for everything. But I'm, so I'm gonna, watch this. So I'm going to go and find somebody, I'm getting out of my camera, go and find somebody, some teacher, let me find it on YouTube, who will agree with me that I don't have to forgive anybody anymore. And I'm going to reap, and actually your desire, it is so, this is so um, uh, um, capitalistic. 
It's so capitalistic. Like, whatever I want, somebody's, yeah, consumerism. Whatever I want, somebody's going to come around and teach what I want, them, what I want to hear. And actually, it'll, what, because of my desire to hear those things and groups of people to hear those things, those people will be multiplied. There'll be more people rise up and more people rise up. And people won't tolerate sound doctrine. Why? Why wouldn't they? Why would they tolerate sound doctrine? When I can go over here and have my ears tickled to whatever I want to hear. I don't want to be, I don't want to be challenged. I'm an American. I do whatever I want to do. I'm free. Didn't Jesus come to set me free? He says they won't tolerate sound doctrine. And listen, and I and I when I said it a minute ago, when we don't know the scriptures, when we don't have this scripture, it says, I have God, David said this, God, I've hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. I've heard, I've hidden your word in my heart. God, let your let the, medit- the, let the meditations of my heart by your word be, be pleasing to your sight, God. God, change me. If I don't align with you, God, change me. I don't want to just go and find somebody who will make it okay for me. God, if, if, it's, if it's me that needs to change, then it's me that needs to change. He says they won't, they won't endure. That word for tolerate, it won't endure. They won't endure sound doctrine. What does that mean? That means the pressures, as the pressures of the world try to seep into the church, the pressure, the toughness, I'm going to have to stand for things the whole world that says it's, wrong, that it's different. I'm going to have to stand for things that people will call me crazy. I'm going to have to stand because of the pressures People, they won't endure it. They won't endure sound doctrine. Instead, they will reject the truth. And the scripture says they will chase after myths. A myth is is actually the Greek word that has to do with making a false account passing for truth. They will chase after mythos, false accounts that are showing themselves as to be true, right? Snake oil, snake oil. But again, he says this, but as for you, there's all these doctrines that are going to be floating out there. Timothy, I just want you to, I want you to be aware, church, Hope Church, be aware, all your YouTube channels, they're not all spitting out the truth. They're not all telling the truth. They're twisting scriptures to make it feel good so they can say whatever they want. They sound good. He says, they're out there, church, be warned. But wait a minute, but as for you, those people are out there. But people of Hope Church, me, David, Timothy, but as for you, 
exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. That tells me that hardship's coming. He says, endure it and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministries. Isn't it interesting? Actually, this thought just came to me. Isn't it interesting that he didn't say get caught up in all these things? But one of the things he tells us to do is do the work of an evangelist. Isn't that what Jesus asked us to do? Tell others about him. Live a life in such a way that when you speak, your words have weight. Could it be that all these things that we get so uptight about and all the things that are going on in the world that we get so uptight about are distracting us from doing the one thing that Jesus asked us to do? The one thing that we were the very great, wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witness. And everywhere, everywhere, here, there, and everywhere. Could it be that we need to make sure that we are not just out there trying to make sure all these myths and untruths, boy, I know I do. Boy, I know I get caught up in it. I know I get caught up in the the latest person out there spitting, saying all these things, and this person saying all these things, and, and I get all worried and concerned, and God's like, you know what I just called you to do? Endure all those hardships. Exercise your self-control in you. And also, don't forget what I've called you to do is do the work of an evangelist. But Timothy's a teacher. He may be, we don't know, but he may be a pastor. And that's wonderful and great, but Paul tells him, do the work of an evangelist. Get the word out. Amen? Fulfill your ministry, not just your job here on the planet. Fulfill fulfill your ministry that God's given you. What does that look like? I don't know. Start a bread-making class on Wednesday nights. That's a good idea. And don't only invite saved people. That's a novel idea. Everybody wants to make good bread. They charge a lot of money over at Bread Beckers. You know what that is. Then Paul says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, for my de- time of departure is close. You hear this in like this Paul's heart? Because I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. All those things I want to be able to say, but not yet. I got, we got stuff to do. I, I want to be able to say I have fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have kept the faith. Paul It's amazing the confidence that Paul has. This is when I read this this week, I was thinking about this that the audacity for Paul to say, I'm good. My past, I'm with what I've done, I'm good with that. How many of y'all like would be the confidence that Paul speaks when he says, I've done it? 
I'm pretty, I'm okay. And you know Paul, you know, Paul, there's probably a lot of, Paul wasn't Jesus. Paul made mistakes, amen? He made a lot of mistakes before he came, was a Christian. He's okay. So the question immediately pops out of the page, David, are you okay with your, what you've done? Or are some, there's some areas that you need to get together and get right. And then he, he makes this statement. And then he says, you know what? Because of all those things, there's a reward waiting for me. I don't know what your doctrine is. I don't know what you think about eternity. We had a little bit of this discussion at our men's meeting at 6.30 on Wednesday. Those are people who love Jesus. who show up to the men's meeting <laughs> at 6.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. So we'll see who shows up this week. And um, oh I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Some of you are already at work at 6.30. You're like, why are you so late, David? Um, but we had this discussion about, um, about this idea of what eternity, you know, and, and so often, like, uh, not so much anymore. There's been some great correction of these, these teachings. But um, so often, like, you see, see, like, well, what's heaven going to be like? It's going to be me, and I'm just going to be on the clouds, you know, and I'm, somehow I'm going to have wings, somehow that I turn into angels. Like, let me just go ahead and tell you, you don't turn into angels when you die. That is a false doctrine. You do not turn into angels when you die. No, you don't. You don't. That is not Bible. That is, a, that is I don't know, precious moment people. I don't know what they did. I don't know. <laughs> you don't get, anyway. You, yeah, they are, those are different creatures that God has already created, all of them. But, and, and it's not only going to be a big worship service for all of eternity. I, I don't know about you, but I remember when I got saved and people told me that my whole life, for all of eternity, I'm going to worship Jesus. I was like, especially then I was like, I barely like church. <laughs> what do you mean I'm going to be in a long job? So that's just a pastor's excuse for preaching forever? It's not heaven either. Remember, remember in the garden? The garden is like heaven. They're doing their stuff. God gives them this land and go and go enjoy it. And by the way, I'll be with you in the garden. I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's going to be fishing in heaven. There may be golf for all you golf players, and you'll be really good. I don't know. Life into life to the fullest with no enemy. What does that look like? And what will heaven look like? Clouds? No. That's part of what he likes. You know what other things he likes? Trees, grass, lakes, mountains. All those things are going to be there. You know why? Because that's his taste. That's what he likes. 
And he gave the, he's given these things for us all to enjoy. Eden again, except better, with Jesus. And, and, and there is a reward. And I, and I got to be careful because we say, I just, I just want to make it. What? I just want to make it. All for after all Jesus has done for you, you want to just make it. After all he's done for you, you just want to make it? And he says there's a reward. Remember, Jesus, whatever you think about Jesus, he's better than you think. Whatever you think about God, he's better than you think. I want to read you like a gazillion scriptures about the reward. I want you just to meditate on this. Ready? There's a lot of them. Luke chapter 6, verse 22 through 23. Blessed are they when people hate you, when you are uh, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward in is great in heaven. For in the for in for this way, uh for, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. Reward, your reward is great. Revelation 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his or her work. Matthew chapter 16. For the Son of Man is going to come with the angels in glory of the Father and he will reward each according to what he has done. First Peter 5 and verse 4. And when they and when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. I don't even know what that is, but that sounds amazing. John chapter 14 and verse 3. If I go away and, and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you to myself, so that where I am you will be also. I've prepared a place for you. First Corinthians and by the way, Jesus, what is, and yes, 100%. Is Jesus the greatest reward? 100%. However, 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Now he who plants and he who water are one. Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 and, uh, through 14. If anyone builds on a foundation with gold and silver, costly, uh, costly stones, wood or hay or straw, each one's Work will become obvious, for the day will be will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that has built survives, he will receive a reward. Matthew chapter five and verse twelve: Be be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. Matthew chapter six verse nineteen: Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where the thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also James chapter 1 and verse 12 blessed is the one who endures trial because when he has stood the test he will receive a crown of life that is that God has promised to those who love him Luke chapter 18 and verse 29. So he said to them, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house, wife, brothers, sisters, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many more 
at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Church, there is a reward. What you do here matters is paid, can I say that? Paid for in heaven. There, there is a reward. Heaven, I've said it before, heaven is not communism. Heaven, you will reap what you have sown on this earth. What you have done for the kingdom of God will be rewarded in heaven, but by what you have done. There is a reward for you. And you know what? God is glad to give it. He is glad to give it. You know the greatest reward? Honestly, we talked about this on Wednesday. The greatest reward is when Jesus looks down at you or looks at you. Maybe he's not looking down. Maybe he's eyeball to eyeball. He says, you know what, Rachel? Well done. You did it. Well done. Enter, and then he says this, enter into the joy of your father. Enter into the joy of your father. What's the greatest? All those rewards are great. Amen. But there would be no greater joy for the Father or Jesus to look at me and say, hey, well done. Good job. And does that mean, yeah, enter into the joy of the Father. It is God's pleasure and his joy to give you the reward. I don't know about you, but when I walk into and I feel the joy of the Father on me, because he said, well done. That's a great way to kick off heaven, man. Isn't it? That's a great way to kick off, go right into heaven. But not yet. <laughs> great is your reward. You know, the... the It is, I'm going to say it again. It is God's pleasure to reward you. It is God's pleasure. Let's all stand together. He said, I have fought the good fight. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Let me clarify that. So how are you judged? How are you judged? Does that mean like, well, again, Graham's going to have all this great stuff in heaven. And good for him. What about you? What about me? I didn't preach the gospel to thousands and get thousands of people saved. and I've done all right. Remember, it's not a comparison of one act to the other act. How will you be judged? Actually, the same way, I don't have time to go into it, but the same way that parable talks about. I have given you this. What did you do with what I gave you? Did I give you influence? How did you use that influence? 
Did I give you money? What did you do with the money that I gave you? Because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Did I give you gifts and talents? What did you do with those gifts and talents? Did I put you in a place in your job where there was tons of people and none of them went to church? None of them knew God? What did you do with the people that I surrounded you with? And then, for people that are in full-time ministry, what did you do? I put you in full-time ministry. What did you do with that? Did you take it, my, did you take it as an opportunity to kick back and go, oh, I got to work one day a week? <laughs> what did you do with it? Did I, did, I, did I raise you? How about this? Did I raise you in a Christian home with great Christian parents, godly parents, and your whole life you were raised up into the things of God? And yeah, there was some bad stuff. Yep, yep, yep. What did you do with the knowledge that I put in your heart? Close your eyes right where we're at. So, so God, God, I want to hear you say good and faithful servant. I want to hear you, Jesus, say well done. But there's some of us in this room and you would say, you know what? I've lived my life just for me. I am living my life just for me. I'm not living my life as a sacrifice, God, for you. I'm living my life to get all the treasures here. And I'm not living my life for the treasures over there. God, I'm sorry. If that's you in this place, nobody's here. Jesus didn't come here to condemn you this morning. But he did come to you to point out some things. And the great thing about our God is his mercies are new every morning. His forgiveness and his second tries and his third tries and his fourth tries and his fifth tries are new every single morning because he is faithful. And God, I thank you, Father, that you have reminded us of these things. And God, I pray, God, would you help us not as just a good idea, but God, I pray, God, that you would help us change and think about eternity. Think about the fact that you will come to judge. God, that you will come. And God, we thank you that you will reward, that nothing that we do on this earth goes without your reward. And God, we thank you for that. You don't have to. It's great just to go to heaven. But God, your word says you reward us, and that is just overwhelming. So God, we're grateful this morning. Help us. And God, I pray that you would change us into your image. And God, I pray this week, 
we'll be careful to use whatever tools, resources, time, and we'll do better about it for your kingdom this week. All for your kingdom. All for your glory. We love you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jessica, come on up. I'm going to ask Jessica to close for us. I'm going to speak really loud. There we are. Yeah, so, um, yeah, isn't God good? He's so good. So uh, my prayer for us this week is just go this week and ask God, what have you given me? Maybe just taking stock in our lives this week. What is it you've given me? Have you given me children to influence? Have you given coworkers to be an influence to, a spouse to love like Jesus? Whatever that may be, spend some time. And, 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 and check that out. And then in faith, ask the Holy Spirit to help you with it. Men, uh, apparently we'll see you on Wednesday at 630 in the morning up at the Annex. Actually, David will. Um, but God, uh, we just, we thank you for your goodness. God, would you just seal this word in our heart? But God, don't let us be hearers of the word only. God, let us be doers of the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this like I need to pray it for me. God, kick me in the butt where I need to be kicked in the butt a little bit. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Youth, we'll see you tonight. Hope Church, if you see someone you don't know, introduce yourself, but you are dismissed. Be blessed.